up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have the honor to introduce to you an entrepreneur, an activist, and the author, soon-to-be bestseller, hold on to your hats, folks, and church folks, just get over it, badass black girl. It gives me great honor to introduce to you MJ Fiev. So you're an author, a publisher, a book editor, a ghostwriter, an entrepreneur, the owner of a nonprofit online literary, literary magazine, a motivational speaker, a blogger, an event coordinator, and the list goes on and on to where I almost running out of breath to say all the wonderful <laughs> things that you're doing. <laughs> But I want to go back to when you were a little girl in Hades. When did your passion for writing hit you? It started very early. I mean, first it was reading. It's always reading first because you need to discover words and find out their power before you can even write. Or I would guess as much. In my case, that was true. I was introduced to... Um, wonderful books by my older sister, Patricia. She was a ravenous reader and she just wanted to turn me into a reader as well because she wanted someone to be able to discuss stories with. Mm -hmm. That was her main motivation. So she used me to a series of books that I will carry with me forever. So some of them were just adventure stories for, for kids. Others were picture books. Some of them were graphic novels. And it's so funny that we're meeting today um, talking about how, what it means to be a worldly church, church girl. Because some of those graphic novels were actually very um, church-oriented. They were about faith, about role models throughout um, Christian history. And I've never seen books like this since then. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky enough to read some of those. So I had a vast array of books that I was introduced to by my sister. Adventure books, some um, faith-based books, but also um, suspense thrillers as we kept growing in our love of reading. And I remember at some point I read a book and I hated the ending of it. Mm. I, I felt that... Um, the main character did not grow enough that their story had lost meaning by the end. And I rewrote the ending. And that was actually the beginning of my writing career. Um, and the power that I felt finishing the story, I felt like, wow, I can actually change the faith of this character. And very soon I started writing my own stories. It coincided with my other sister bringing me a diary as a souvenir from one of her travels to America. Uh, it was a very, very nice, a blue diary with little ducks on the cover. That's what I used to rewrite the ending of the story and to write my own stories when I discovered that I really enjoyed the process. You know what I love is that you sound a little bit like me, that some people really don't see women enjoying dark 
like books or or TV shows or things like that. Uh, but a lot of creative juices come from that dark stuff. Yes. It, 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 hits, it hits a nerve and you'd be like, okay. And you kind of twist it into a light. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, when I started writing, um, I actually turned toward the supernatural. So my first stories were all either about ghosts or um, about the darkness that exists in humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I, it, it was thrilling. And I remember one time when I published my first book, I was um, quite young. Um you could see that the journalist was a little tired of hearing about me writing the same types of books. I guess he didn't like horror stories. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, he had heard about me publishing stories and then it culminated into a book. And he told me, why, why can't you be normal and just write nice Roman stories? <laughs> and it was such a reflection of the time and the prejudice against women that we can only write happy motherly type stories or romance and i was like no i really get a kick out of writing horror and adventure i have absolutely no interest in love stories (laughs) oh man i love that because you know when it comes to netflix i probably find some of the darkest stuff to watch on there and my husband's like how i'm like i i just I don't know. The the documentaries, the twisted it is, the more I want to watch it. Oh, I love documentaries. Um, I have something for Forensic Files. It's it's just the greatest show. Yes, it's just like, you know, I'm that person that after I watch a movie, if I bought the movie, I have to watch the behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I have to watch it because that intrigues me. So and anyway, enough about that. So... <laughs> So how old were you when you moved to the United States? I was 21. So um, I've lived in Haiti about half my life and the other life, um, the other half right here. Um, I was 21. I had completed some college in years in Haiti. At first, I thought I wanted to become a doctor because in the Caribbean, that's one of the choices. You either become a doctor, a teacher, an architect, an engineer. And I'm trying to remember what the fifth one is, but uh, my parents really wanted me to be a teacher and I was interested in biology. I was interested in understanding the way the body worked. It, It was so fascinating, but my real passion was writing. And when I got the opportunity to move to the United States, I decided that I wanted to be more involved in creating and teaching um, stories. So I became a teacher first. Mm-hmm. I taught um, language arts and writing for for a long time. And um, after a while, I went back to school for a master's degree in writing so that I could be a trained in a more formal way and continue my writing career. Okay. And do you remember the moment where you felt that representation for a positive black girl was needed? I think I've always ca- carried within me the importance of representing and bringing more attention to the work of black girls and black women. In Haiti, 
um, it was mostly about sexism, a, a little bit about colorism too, because there's a lot of that in the Caribbean. And the idea that uh, women, girls and women need to be empowered and that I, I could definitely write because um, in, in Haiti, there is a culture of silence and not everybody gets to have a voice. And the fact that I was finding my voice and people were encouraging me to keep on on writing and having this voice, I felt that I was carrying the torch for other women who didn't have a voice, who couldn't write, who maybe did not even know how to read and write. So mm -hmm. it's always been in the back of my mind that um, some people needed to be represented. And I tried in my writing as well to um, represent more than just people like me. I was a city girl. I was relatively privileged in a country where um, there is so much misery. There's beauty too, but I mean, it's so poor. Um, we have so many financial issues. So I try to really um, be a voice for just, not just for people who were privileged like me, but people who did not have um, the chance I had to be able to, to write and create art. When I moved to the U.S., that's when I was really faced with um, sexism and racism. Like, as soon as I, I, I got here, I, I told the story the other day to a friend of mine um, about going bowling with a sorority sister and mm -hmm. two random guys throwing a milkshake at me from a car, calling me the N-word. And I was shocked because, I mean, I knew about racism, but I guess I was a little removed from it because I had been in a all-black nation. So really the issue was, oh, um, shade, the different shades of, of black and it had always been my belief, oh, people are just stupid looking at right. black. But now I was faced with hatred, not just a preference or um, it was just, I might kill you if I can. Mm -hmm. And it, it was shocking to me. And I realized that I, what I was doing was important in a new sense that I was representing people who were in danger as a woman, as a black woman, um, I needed to really perfect my art because a, how else am I going to talk about issues that women face, that, that black women face, that um, immigrants face. So it became mm -hmm. very important for me to represent. And I did notice that um, it was, again, a privilege because so many people don't get to, to, to have a voice in the U.S., whether because they, maybe um, they're working five jobs or maybe um, they, the talent that they have, they cannot take advantage of it because of their personal circumstances, or maybe they, they're afraid Maybe they're, they're, they've been impacted so much by prejudice or fear or the lack of appreciation and love that they are just not doing what they would like to do. And that I, I had to acknowledge my luck 
the the big the the big fact in my life that I was given a gift and I was lucky enough to be able to to use it. Yes. So when you came to the States, you were hit in the face with not only just colorism, but racism too. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, um, in, in Haiti, we talk about race all the time. But it's like, oh, well, um, you need a perm because you're, you, you don't have good hair. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all black people. And right. it's like, oh, whatever you say. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll move on. I don't, I don't need to hear this. And you can still be okay with it, kind of. It's still hard. I mean, people thinking that you're inferior because you 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 have a different shade or your hair is not as, as wavy as it should be. But the kind of, I mean, the, 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 the hatred that I could feel, feel here, not just through my own experience, because again, um, I haven't been in the shoes of some other people who really have had their life in danger, but I, I was completely taken aback. You have written so many books, but I want to talk about your most latest amazing book. And I was talking to my husband. I said, I'm not a cusser. I said, but I got to say this book title. (laughs) (laughs) And he just started cracking up. I'm like, badass black girl. I know you got a lot of flack from that title. I know you did. Can you share about that? I did. You know, I never considered the word to be um, a curse word because, you know, I I guess I'm around people who use it all the time in, in that cool, laid-back way. Like, it's it's a word that means strength and just a no-nonsense type, type of person who would do... Uh, uh, what she wants was basically dancing to the rhythm of her own drum. Um, and I have been getting some some backlash for the <laughs> title. Um, well, part of it is just people who are really conservative who don't want to, uh, who cannot help the book the way they could. Meaning some schools um, have added the book to their list because they realize that young adults can really use the information from the book. But there are some schools that have told me that, unfortunately, they cannot carry it because there's a curse word on the cover. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I, I, I will get um, an interview. I remember being interviewed um, in Broward, a county where I live in South Florida. And um, the interviewer worked from one of the school districts in South Florida. And he told me, well, unfortunately, I won't be able to put the name of the book on the screen because there's a curse word. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I did not realize um, that it was a problematic word. Actually, I was just embracing my badassery, <laughs> the way I like to call it. But um, later on, when I talked to my publisher, it was revealed that even the even their reps told them, um, told, told the publishers that the publisher and the, and the assistant publisher and the assistant publisher that they could not 
sell another title that had both the word badass and girl undercover. Really? And yes. They so it's it's been problematic in that sense, <laughs> uh, the word itself. But I've also gotten some backlash because it's called badass black girl. And I've been accused of being divisive because what? why can't I just write a book called Badass Girl? Why do I need to make it about race? And I had to explain to people that my experience growing up as a black girl was very different from the experience of anyone else, from the experience of a Caucasian girl or, or, or a Latina girl. Because we deal with specific issues that mm -hmm. are not relevant to other groups. And um, when we talk about something like colorism, for instance, yes, it exists in the Latin world, but a Caucasian person would not relate at all to, to that issue. And in most self-empowering books that I've read growing up, there was never a chapter addressing skin color, how to how to react when somebody is being mean because you you look um, darker than they do, mm -hmm. or when somebody's flat out being nasty because um, they just don't like um, people like me. So I wanted to create a safe space where I could talk about some of those things about. Uh, the impact of growing up in a world where the standards of beauty are Eurocentric, where um, there's a culture and silence of, around a lot of topics for black girls and black women. So I, I felt that I had the right title. You and did. I, I, I'm glad you're, you're through. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I mean, because... I mean, in internally, we all feel that way, whether we say it or not. I mean, whether we can cuss it out or not. I mean, we all feel that way that, you know, we, we are the, the, okay, I'm saying it again, church folks. We are that badass black girl. <laughs> we just are. Now, um, I'm going to ask you about a few different statements that you said in your book that um, we've all heard in our lifetime, but some of us don't know how to respond when we hear these phrases. So I want to give you, I want you to give me that response that a, a, a badass black girl should say when someone says this. Okay. Sure. Okay. You are so pretty for a black girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stopping here because I can be back, you know, in those times where I've heard that. And, and, um, my, my answer, I remember the first time I was actually, yes, brand new here in the United States. And it was a, a version of that, actually. It wasn't, you're pretty for a black girl. It was, oh, you're pretty for a Haitian girl. So it was a variant of that. Wow. And, and um, I asked a person if they were blind or ignorant because I know so many people from Haiti who look totally different from one another. So I couldn't get the idea of just calling an entire group ugly. And mm. that was my, I mean, I guess the, the anger that I felt was more powerful than the words that I used. But I remember clearly um, that conversation and I was like, this is ignorant and you need to stop. 
how many people of Haiti do you know and how um, and what are you basing your ideas uh, your idea of beauty anyway and it it particularly irked me coming from someone who was also black meaning that um, I could see that he had internalized what society decided was beautiful mm-hmm. and that it turned out that it was referring mostly to um, the, the color of my skin as opposed to other traits. Like, oh, he was expecting someone darker or someone who was this or someone who was that. And I was mad at him and I was a little bit mad at the world as well for having created that perception that he had that, oh, if you if you uh, uh, your skin is slightly lighter then you're more beautiful than the, a quote-unquote the rest of them. Right. So just calling out someone's ignorance and also the fact that um, they're they're just they're just like robots with no with no, not learning to think for themselves and seeing the beauty in other people where it's like oh that's what I'm told. Is beautiful, so that's what beauty is. Mm-hmm. Not, and not also not seeing, um, even if you have acquired your own standards of beauty, and it's something well, you know, it, so, some people are not as beautiful as others to me physically, but you need to be able to see beyond that and and see other factors. Um, those virtues that someone has, those talents. And for me, it's the whole package. You Mm -hmm. can look like a Hollywood star. If you're rotten in the inside, there's nothing that's going to help me see you as beautiful. Amen. Um, Next one. Can I touch your hair? (laughs) That's another good one. And um, I laugh about it all the time. I cut myself asking somebody the same thing no (laughs) (laughs) so um i'm and when i did it um i mean i i started laughing then too because i'm like oh my god this is what they do to me but you know it was a different texture and i had never touched it before Mm -hmm. so i asked and it helped me understand that sometimes people ask because they are curious they've been around black people for the longest but they never uh really touch black hair and they're curious i think the problem really um comes when they touch your hair without asking yes which happens all the time or yes somebody will touch your behind without asking basically a fault because you're touching a part of my body that you have no business touching right yeah i never did understand that i don't even know you why are you reaching out touching my hair right there is no way. And I'm like, I'm a retired hairstylist and I don't go around reaching out, touching people's hair. I'm like, look at your split ends. No, I don't. You you need to ask. People will say yes. Some people will say no. And I, I think that it's not even just, um, uh, they, they do it more to black women as opposed mm-hmm. to black guys. Although um, some friends of mine have told me that They've been through it too. Um, male friends where mm-hmm. people just wanted to touch their fro or just feel the texture of their hair, however they carried it. 
Um, but women are subjected to that most often, and it extends to other aspects of being a woman. For instance, um, pregnant women will talk sometimes about how random people will come and touch their bellies. Mm-hmm. It's just that 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 idea that uh, it's okay to touch a woman, and I hate it. It's like, why mm-hmm. are you touching this woman's belly? Um, it's just stay away. Right, right. Like we don't have a say because we're a woman. So you can touch my hair, you can touch my stomach, you can touch my butt, and I'm supposed to be just okay with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and I hate it, and mm-hmm. uh, I I won't have it. Absolutely not. Um, here's another one. You don't talk black. Oh, so how do black people speak? Tell me a little <laughs> bit more. I'm interested. And it, you're probably not part of the club because, you know, everybody everybody switches from one setting to another. Yes, when we're among people that we care about and we, we feel that they're one of us, we'll speak some way. But sir or... Lady, I barely know you, so let's keep it formal. Who would you say this book is for? When I read this book, I I had young adults in mind. So um, black girls were coming of age, were ready to face the world. I, I thought about me at, you know, 15, 16 um, just trying to figure out the world, the world, and not being able to find myself in many of the books that I was reading. I wanted to be kind of that big sister, that cool aunt who imparts some advice. But I found out that a lot of parents also read the book. They'll get it for their kids, and they'll start reading it, and they'll read it um, from beginning to end. And people have come back to me telling me, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from this book. So, um, I mean, for black girls and black women who just need a little dose of positivity in their life, mm-hmm. they might be going some to some dark times and they need um, to to send to recenter themselves to to find their center, or maybe they're just they they're, they're just into the habit of reading something positive every day so that they can face the hardships of life, whether they are facing those hardships now or um, they're just getting ready for them. So um, I wanted to create a community around the book, which is, which is why now I have the website, badassblackgirl.com, because it's more than about uh, the book. I want a, a whole movement of women um building up each other, giving each other advice, giving each other's each other tips for a life that is fulfilling and just work on being happier in a world that is not always kind to, to black girls and black women. I think we really need to create that kind of community. Yes. Now, would you recommend this book for someone who's not black to read, to educate themselves? Um, yes. 
Um, one of my friends actually bought it for herself and read it. She, <laughs> she's definitely not a teenager and she's definitely not um, black either. And she said that she learned a lot and that she could understand um, how the book um, could have been um, for, for more than just black girls and black women because although some chapters are specific to the black experience she felt that there was so much that other girls could learn from but you know it's it's my mission is to help black girls right now just because um they very often want to appear strong and there is this whole perception that black girls and black women are stronger not just um mentally it, the fact that we tend to think that black girls grow up faster um, and and, and um, also um, physically when we think about the racism in a systemic at a systemic level uh, in healthcare for instance it's always been a misconception that black women can endure physical pain more than other groups which is not true at all and I think that I want to help build up black girls so that they're ready to face what's waiting for them so that they're aware of um, the prejudice they might be facing but also the blessings that come with being a black girl being a black woman because as a collective, we're so gifted, we're yes. so empowered, we're so blessed. And our faith, our collective faith is a big part of it. Um, you cannot talk about the black experience without talking about the place of faith um, within the black community. You cannot talk about the black experience without uh, talking about the strength, not just the strength of our ancestors, but the strength that we have to demonstrate every day in a world that is so unkind to us. So, um, I mean, the book can be useful to many people, but for sure, my mission is to help a specific group of people because we need it. And there are so many other resources for other people. Uh, let's have some resources for us so that we can um, be empowered in this world. Now, tell me a little bit more about the website. So, um, badassblackgirl.com is, again, for creating a community a black, uh, a, around black issues that black girls face, but also around a, all the, the extraordinary things that we're involved in, either mm -hmm. as creators or just as witnesses of the beauty that there is in, in the world. So... Um, in, there is a magazine part of the website where black girls and women can submit stories, um, poetry, just having a voice on the website. It, it's one way for them to have a voice. They, um, we have interviews with powerful black women. We also have a vlog uh, where we meet with um, women who have accomplished um, excellent things in their life and just having conversations about their journey and just getting a lot of inspiration from 
what they've been through. So uh, a magazine, a vlog, and also a blog where um, just uh, in sharing op opinion pieces and um, news relevant to the a black experience. And also recommending books. Um, right now, we, we have about a 12 to 15 authors who are showcased um, on the website. We're hoping to grow that list. So we're encouraging people to reach out and let us know what um, they're doing. We can certainly help them spread the word in talk about what they're working on, whether they're writers or artists or just people making different uh, a big difference in their community. We've in, in the past we've interviewed um, a entrepreneurs, we've mm -hmm. interviewed artists and authors. Um, the website just it got updated because I actually just switched from my personal website, to Badass Black Girl maybe uh, about six months ago when the book came out and I really started to build a community about a, around um, Badass Black Girl. So um, some of the interviews are not from 2020 because also because it's been such a strange year, but um, we have new pieces in the magazine that are um, brand new and we're working on a series of new interviews for 2020. And um, the vlog is also getting a new season that is being um, supported by the Miami Book Fair, Books and Books, and um, Mango Publishing. So a lot of new faces will appear on the vlog, a lot of interesting conversations with the Miami Book Fair just around the corner. Um, we're, we're talking with a lot of the authors, the black female authors who will be at the fair, just getting the word out, letting people know about the exquisite work that they've been doing. And I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's just about becoming a, a part of that circle, that, that support system, that community and, and enjoying our blackness and um, appreciating the beauty that there is in the black experience. Yes. Um, so what do you think you would be doing if you wasn't doing this? You know, uh, <laughs> the, the other day I was joking that I could write so many stories around all the lives I could have had. Instead of <laughs> um, I... At first, I wanted to be a doctor, but mm -hmm. um, being a doctor has to be a calling, and I was a, too interested in the creative side of my life. But I guess that if I wasn't a, a, a writer, I could have been a doctor because I wouldn't have been distracted by, <laughs> by my art. Um, at some point, I considered becoming um, a psychologist. I was always interested in helping kids who were dealing with um, issues like um, autism or any kind of learning disability. But in the end, I, I when I did my 
uh, when I got my bachelor's degree, I decided to go into exceptional student education. So it kind of satisfied that desire that I had to work with um, children with special needs. Mm -hmm. so, but maybe I would have become a psychologist. Um, sometimes sometimes I, I'm thinking that another career would have been um, uh, being a vet. I, I love animals and I mm -hmm. hate animal suffering. So, yes. and it, it's it's also very close to being a doctor. So, <laughs> it it would have been a, a nice alternative as well. So, and, and at some point, I I was really interested in marketing as well. So those four would probably have been uh, my alternate. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. funny because I'm listening to you and I can see the number five. You, I can see in the movie industry because you have such a vivid imagination. <laughs> I can see you in the movie industry making it happen. <laughs> I would love, I would love to write scripts. Um, I actually worked on a short documentary with my husband um, last year, mm -hmm. where I, I was. It was kind of a um, ver, um, mockumentary where. It, we're informing, but we're pretending. It, it 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 was all pretend, meaning that we were playing we were playing ourselves. Uh -huh. but it was all staged and scripted, of course. But it was it was fun. To, uh, we talked about comic books and how to make it in the comic book industry because my husband is an artist and he draws a lot, um, a lot of characters for comic books. And um, I was thinking about the pleasure I took to 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 write the script for that project, but I've also written for um, a, the theater before, and I've always wanted to write a movie. But the the reality is, if you want to make it as a movie writer, um, you do need to live in a place like New York or California. If you're in Miami or anywhere in South Florida, the chances of making it as a movie, um, as a movie writer is pretty slim. I mean, there are people who are doing extraordinary work. Um, I mentioned Books and Books earlier, one of the most beautiful bookstores in the nation. Mm -hmm. um, and Mitch Mitchell Kaplan, the owner, is actually involved in a lot of... Um, movie in movie production for Netflix for instance so he does write and edit and and produce movies and he lives in Miami but uh, I can say that is probably um, one of the few that can do it from a distance mm -hmm. so um, I did consider uh, consider movie writing at some point when I went to Florida International University to get my degree in writing. But, um, I mean, who knows? Uh, life changes a lot. In the future, I might end up writing an entire script for a movie. You can do it. You can, you're breaking barriers. Why not break another one? <laughs> Miami, I, I, Miami might become the new hotspot for That's right. script writing. Who knows? Because think about it. Most movies end up going to Miami anyway to shoot a scene. So why not? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now, how can people contact you? Um, I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter. 
I'm on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Badass Black Girl Books. On Twitter, it's my name, MJ Fiev. I'm also on Facebook. And if you visit badassblackgirl.com, my, there, there, there is um, a section where you can contact me directly, either using the form or using the email address, mm-hmm. um, abg at mangopublishinggroup.com. That's my email. And I'm always so happy to hear from people. I mean, we have so many extraordinary stories to share. And I mean, again, I'm so honored to be here on your on on your uh, podcast because well, you have you. an extraordinary story to tell. And I hope that you'll come in, to Badass Black Girl as well. And I would I love to. to sure, there. I would love to. I was just waiting for the invitation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I would love for us to to talk over there. I would love to. I was thinking about, I'm going back a little bit, how people submit stories to you. What is the turnaround for that? If someone was to submit a story or a poem or or anything like that to you? So um, because the website right now is run pro bono, so everybody's kind of volunteering their time, um, we ask at least three months, although we tend to get back very fast. We're calling it, uh, the name of the magazine um, is um, Unfolding, because instead of having issues so often, we publish the pieces as they come to us. This way, if you visit the website every week, there's something new, you don't have to wait um, until the next issue three months later or ne- or the next month. So um, we ask for three months, but usually we have we we read the stories quite fast and get back to people as soon as we can. Okay. But it's all volunteer work, so um, we say three months just to be on the safe side so that people know that it might take much or less three months. Okay. Well, I have one last question for you. Ready? Absolutely. If you could have any song be your theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be? And why? Oh, my God. I have so many songs. (laughs) Actually, in the book, I don't know if you remember, but in the book, I have a list of all those black anthems that black girl can. Yes. Um, Let me think. I'm thinking about songs. I don't know if they're necessarily an answer to your question, but right away, uh, the... um, the song, um, brown skin girl. Hello. Yes. <laughs> it came to me, but also, um, you know, the, uh, I will survive is always one of my favorite just mm-hmm. because, um, it's, it's a fun so- song, um, in terms of, of, uh, the melody, but the, pa- the, 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 the lyrics of course, are right. Powerful. Um, and it can be interpreted in so many ways. Of course, it's a it, it's about surviving after a breakup, but I just like to sing it and think of, about just life and mm-hmm. the fact that I will survive. Um, what are the songs? And again, this song doesn't have it. Well, 
I'm a married woman. I'm not single, but I love the single lady song. <laughs> She she's extraordinary. And... Mm-hmm. Yes, but you know what? All those songs can be theme songs. I mean, Brown Skin Girl. That's pretty self-explanatory. You are being a brown skin girl. You're surviving, and single ladies. Oh, just I just feel like Reuben Heck, because <laughs> I am a brown skin girl who survived. <laughs> Love it. Well, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. You are such a joy and a pleasure, and you really blessed me. And your book blessed me too. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm honored to be here, and thank you, thank you. It's been it's been fun chatting with you. You're so much fun. Thank you. Thank you, MJ, for being on my show. I really enjoyed you. I enjoyed what you are bringing into what is really needed in today's society. Understanding and empowerment of what we are and who we can become. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And have you subscribed? Why not? What are you waiting for? You're already tuning in. You're already listening. You might as well hit that subscription button so you will never miss another episode. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.